afternoon, if you would stand, we'll get started with our service. How many of you are thankful to be Americans today and living in America? Yeah, all of us are. We truly are a blessed people. And um, recently I've been uh, reading through the Gospels in my um, Bible reading, and this verse stood out to me. Um, it's the story of the young ruler who comes to Jesus and asks him what he needs to do to be saved. And he tells him to sell all of his possessions and... Um, he goes away sorrowful because he had great possessions. And uh, the Bible says, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. Again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Unfortunately, I feel like today in America, Christianity is often like that as well. We are so, so easily put off by simple inconveniences and with preacher preaching this morning about loving God more the Bible says thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and we hear today of people leaving churches because of the carpet being the wrong color or maybe we have to sit out in the fellowship hall for a couple weeks and people are inconvenienced by that so they're not going to come because of that inconvenience and I think of the time I was in Papua New Guinea where there's twice as many people sitting on the floor in a building half this size to come and worship the Lord, and we can't come and worship him in our air-conditioned building because of a slight inconvenience. I think it's truly, or I think it's very easy to say that it's hard for an American to become a Christian today and get saved. We have our priorities in the wrong place, and this year I challenge us to put our priorities in the right place and love God more. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. Dad, would you open us in a word of prayer, please?
Was drifting. I was drifting on a sea of despair, and I was wandering, I was wandering in this whole world of care. But Jesus found me, Jesus found me in my sinful plight. Heard me praying, heard me praying on my knees at night. Now I'm singing, now I'm singing a glad new song because I'm happy, because I'm happy as I go along. Well, I don't know, I don't know just what I'd do if the Lord wasn't walking by my side. I'd be friendless, I'd be friendless all alone and blue, and I'd be helpless, I'd be helpless, wouldn't know what to do. Well, I don't know, I don't know just what I'd do if the Lord wasn't walking by my side. What would I do? Burden on the way if the Lord wasn't 
walking by my side every day. I'd be friendless. I'd be friendless all alone and blue. And I'd be helpless. I'd be helpless, wouldn't know what to do. Well, I don't know. I don't know just what I'd do if the Lord wasn't walking by my side every day. If the Lord wasn't walking Amen. <clears throat> well, um, I'm excited to preach today, uh, like every Sunday, uh, but um, I'm excited about what pastor's going to be preaching about throughout the month of January, and I, the Lord laid a message on my heart that, uh, Lord willing, uh, will, will be a help and will go along with what he's talking about, and it'll go with our theme of uh, loving God more, but if uh, you can turn your Bibles to the book Hosea, the book of Hosea today. It's one of those small books in the Bible that might take a little bit of time to find, but it's in there, I promise. Didn't make it up. The book, the book of Hosea, chapter 1, is where we'll be. And as you're turning there, um, we're going to read a very uh, heavy portion of Scripture. It's a little uh, uh, difficult to deal with, and it's, it's just a heavy passage. It's a heavy account that took place in the Bible. It's a true account. Some, some commentators and stuff, they argue over whether it happened or not, and uh, the, the Bible says it happened, so, so it happened. Uh, it's a true story. Um, and in, this, in our reading, we're, we're going to read about how God used Hosea. Um, he, he, in, in, he used a lot of prophets. Uh, he told them to do a lot of different things. Uh, so they could, uh, w with different actions, different, you could say, illustrations, some, some very unique things in their time. Uh, uh, Isaiah uh, embarrassed people by, by walking the streets dressed like a prisoner for war for several months. And uh, Jeremiah even carried a yoke on his shoulders for several months. And even uh, God told the prophet Ezekiel to act like a little boy. Um, while he, he, and he was using these, these he's telling them these prophets to do these things so he could get the people's attention. And he wanted to portray a truth through these really weird uh, illustrations. But in this passage, we're going to see that God told the prophet Hosea to do something not so much weird as much as it was um, sad and grievous. So in Hosea chapter 1, and if you're able to stand, if you can stand for the reading of God's word, we'll start reading in verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord that came unto Hosea, the son of Beeri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, and Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. This is Hosea speaking now. And the Lord said to Hosea, "Go." God, God tells Hosea something, Go take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredom departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Dibliam, which conceived and bare him a son. Verse 4, And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel, for yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass at that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. Verse 6, And she conceived again, and bare a daughter. And God said unto him, Call her name Loruhamah, for I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. 
But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah, and will save them by the Lord their God. It will not save them by bow, nor by sword, nor by battle, by horses, nor by horsemen. Now when she had weaned Laruhamah, she conceived and bare a son. Then said God, Call his name Loami, for ye are not my people, and I will, be, and I will not be your God. Yet the number of the children of the Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it, where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, Ye are the sons of the living God. Then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together and appoint themselves one head. And they shall come up out of the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. Um, I titled the message, I'm going to preach about the most, scandalous, the most scandalous love story of all time. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for uh, what you've done already in your house today, Lord. Thank you for the, the, the message from this morning, Lord, and just challenging us, Lord, to, to make a commitment to love you more, God. I know it's what we need, and like Brother Stephen uh, even just preached a little bit ago, Lord, that uh, we need that more than ever here in America, God. I just pray you be with me, Lord. Give me the words to say. You and me pray, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> the most scandalous love story of all time. And you can even tell from our reading that it's, it's, a, it's a pretty heavy story. It's something pretty heavy that happened in the Bible. And like I said earlier, people uh, dispute over whether it happened or not, but it happened. It's not a parable. It's not uh, an allegory. This, this really happened. And God told Hosea to do this, this very heavy, very heavy thing so he could, he could, so he could preach, so he could proclaim a truth to, to, to his people. Now, some, let's, let's, let's get the setting, I guess, uh, in order. And at this point of time, uh, I know Hosea follows the book of Daniel, but that's not the right chronological order. Um, Hosea would have, would have, during the time of Hosea, the kingdom of Israel would have been divided already in two. It would have been the ten northern tribes and the southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin. They would have been separated by now. And uh, during these years, uh, both kingdoms would have, would, would have several kings. Uh, the southern kings were a mix of both good and bad, and the northern kings were pretty much all bad. These were the years of wars, droughts, famines, God's curse amongst the people. And during these years, God sent one prophet after another uh, to give a message to his people, to call them back to him. And that's where we find Hosea. And he was a, he was a prophet called by God to, to the northern kingdom of Israel. And uh, like I said earlier, this portion of, of the kingdom had a tendency uh, to be more wicked than, than the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom would be Judah and Benjamin. And Hosea would have witnessed firsthand the violence and the more immorality and how, 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 how God's children would forget about him. Uh, for, they would forget God. And as, as, as Hosea was sent, as kind of, he was kind of trumpeteering uh, a message from God for them to, to turn back to him. Uh, he, he, he saw firsthand the wickedness of these people. And uh, while, like we said already, the government was kind of in a civil war-ish kind of weird state, and as, as they were in disarray, so were the people. They were turning away from God, and it was evident in their everyday lives. And God asked, he asked Hosea, he asked something of Hosea, so that he could, he could paint a picture that many men would, uh, many people would, would shy away from doing. It would be hard, it would be really hard to say yes to what God asked Hosea to do. And we see there that God asked Hosea to, to take for him a wife, a, a woman who had um, a history, a background of promiscuity, a, a, a daughter of whoredoms. A, she would have been a prostitute, to put, it, to put it sharply. 
And Hosea being a man of God, can you imagine when, when God told him to do this thing, knowing that, that he, he's not supposed to be doing such a thing? That's, that's not the kind of woman that he's supposed to marry, he's not supposed to take to wife. God, what are you asking of me? Why would you ask this of me? A woman of whoredoms, a, a, a prostitute, a, a promiscuous woman? That, that's, you could say that's scandalous. God, that, that's crazy. But Hosea, being an obedient prophet of the Lord, did what God told him to do. And we see in verse 3 that he took Gomer, the daughter of Diblium, to wife. <clears throat> so I don't, I don't know how it happened. I don't know the details. Uh, there's going to be a lot of... Uh, uh, just we have to use our imagination caps this morning because we don't get a lot of details as to how it happened. But um, uh, we don't know uh, very much about Gomer's past. But we do know this, that around this time, Israel would have been involved in a lot of Baal worship. And a part of Baal worship would have been uh, at the temple. A lot of women would prostitute themselves as a, as a form of worship to their false god, Baal. And this, this could have been part of Gomer's past. This could have been where Hosea had found his future bride. Now, like I said, I don't know how it happened, but oh, Hosea obeying the voice of God, he, he, he maybe starts talking to Gomer, and, and eventually they end up getting married. Maybe she falls for him, and maybe Hosea's thinking, I don't know what God is asking, why he's asking this of me, but, but, but maybe I'm, I'm saving Gomer from, from the, this, this wicked lifestyle, this lifestyle of sin, this lifestyle of idolatry. And maybe there was a glint of hope in Hosea's heart as as his new bride, he maybe was, 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 was helping save her from, from this promiscuous lifestyle. And as we're going to see in a little bit, um, it didn't last as long as he would have hoped. <clears throat> so Gomer, a, um, a promiscuous past. And we see that as, as, as they were married, uh, they had kids together. And this also is a little sad because God tells uh, Hosea to name the first son Jezreel. I won't get into a deep study about the names, but the three names of their three kids are really important. It's a really cool study, and uh, we even see a little bit here in Scripture that each name meant something. God, God, was, God was delivering a message with every name that they were supposed to name their children. And we see Jezreel, uh, it wasn't a name that had good connotations. In fact, the, the Hebrew word Jezreel means God scatters or God will scatter. And it was a warning about how God would soon scatter Israel throughout the nations around them. Um, and then the next two of their children, the next names of their two children, also weren't uh, very hopeful. They were kind of bleak. Loruhama uh, means not loved. That's a pretty sad name. Imagine if you were born and they said, congratulations, your name is we don't love you. That's rough. That's bleak. Not loved. And God, for many years, he loved his people. And he proved it many, many, many times. When they least deserved it, God still proved to his people, I love you. But because of their unfaithfulness, their sin, their disobedience, he would have to take back his love. His love is always unconditional, but getting to reap the rewards of that love is conditional in you obeying and being faithful to him. And, and Israel, uh, they were unfaithful. And God was saying, name your second child not loved because I have to turn my back on them, on my children. And even the third one, Loami. Loami was pretty tragic, probably the most tragic of all. And it, the, the name simply means, not my people. So we have scattered, not loved, and finally, name your third child, not my people. Um, and this is a picture, clearly, of how God had, he was going to disown Israel because of their disobedience, because of their unfaithfulness to the Lord. 
And uh, many even think that this has a double meaning because if you get into the study, we'll get into it a little bit later. Um, uh, not only was it a double meaning because of what God was trying to uh, uh, prophesy to the nation of Israel, but the third child might not, have, might not even have been Hosea's own son, own child. And we'll get into that in a bit. But it's a very bleak story so far. Hosea gets told by God to go out and, and get himself a wife, a, a promiscuous woman with a, with a sinful past, a shameful past. And the, th- the three names that God tells Hosea to, name his, to give it to his children were, were not very hopeful either. They were sad. And then it gets even worse. Eventually, Gomer, Hosea's new wife, the wife that he had hopefully saved from a sinful uh, future, uh, falls back to the streets. She goes back to her previous lifestyle. <clears throat> so Hosea, not, not, not only having Gomer to take care of, but now these three children. And um, ima- imagine as, as Gomer begins to fall back to her sin, back to her promiscuous ways, going back to her lovers. Can you just imagine with me the pleading in Hosea's voice? Please, Gomer, can't you stay with us tonight? Or please, Gomer, you can't leave. We have a family. We can live as a family. Gomer, I took you from the streets. Why are you going back to them? Or Gomer, look at the kids, our kids. Why are you abandoning us? Gomer, just stay in tonight, please. But Hosea's pleadings were ignored. Maybe he said him through tears, but Gomer ignored him. She went back to her sinful ways. Just imagine his feelings. Hosea loving Gomer unconditionally, and her just kind of taking that and spitting in his face. Imagine the anger about being rejected by Gomer, his wife. Disappointment that she would go back to the life of sin that he had tried to save her from. Discouragement with, with, with what, he was, what he had to deal with day in and day out embarrassment as to what the rest of the, of the people around him would think of him. There's Hosea. He married a prostitute, and his wife is still one. That's terrible. And I know it's strong, strong stuff, heavy stuff. And even just the terrible feeling of being rejected by his own wife for her lovers. Terrible feeling. Can't even begin to imagine. And then just imagine as Hosea's children come up to him and say, Daddy... Is mommy going to be here tonight? Or daddy, where's mom going? Are we going to see her tomorrow? Where's mommy been for the last three days? Hosea tries to calm his children down and assure them that everything's okay, that their mom's, that she's going to be back, that that she's safe, that she's okay. The sad account. Can you even, one last just imagine what Hosea's daily life looked like, what his daily worries looked like. You think he would ever, Hosea would ever go out to the streets and look for his wife, seeing if he could, maybe he could find her that day, or if he ever came, uh, somebody, maybe he was worried about somebody coming at, knocking on his door at midnight because they had found his wife be, uh, beaten and bruised or, or abused. This was a daily life of Hosea. It was, not a, it was not a fun story. It was not a fun life to have for Hosea. And, God, and yet God told him, to marry Gomer for, the, for a reason. God told him to name these children these names. God knew this would happen, and yet God said, Hosea, as my prophet, I need you to do something so I can, so I can, so I can deliver a message to my people. <clears throat> and, he, and, and we didn't read into it because it would be a long read, but we see that God uses Gomer's adul- adultery to, to, 
to kind of, con- to kind of give an illustration of, of how he viewed the way Israel was treating him. He, he talks about idolatry and hypocrisy and ungratitude. He talks about how Israel was worshiping false gods and, and they, were, they were surrounded by the Canaanites, so they began to worship their false gods, mainly Baal. And he talks about their, their ungratitude. Eventually, he mentions how the children of Israel were, were thanking these false gods for their daily provisions and thanking them, uh, these false gods, for providing for them and their blessings when in reality it was God that was providing these things for them the whole time. And he even talks about how the nation of Israel claimed to be the one nation of God, and yet they were worshiping false gods amongst their people in the temple. And God uses this picture of Gomer, her unfaithfulness to Hosea, to, to, to tell the people of Israel, this is how you're treating me. Spiritual unfaithfulness. And it doesn't end there. Maybe, I don't know how this happened, but it seems that uh, Gomer must have been gone for a while. And uh, we don't get the details of this either, but it seems that one way or another, she might have ended up a slave of some sort. Because we see in chapter 3 that God tells Hosea to do something else. Another hard thing. It says in verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1, Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet, love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord, toward the children of Israel, who'd look to other gods and love flagons of wine. So I bought her to me. This is, this is, this is Hosea now. So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver and for an homer of barley and a half homer of barley. And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide with, for me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man so will I also be for thee. So not only was it enough that he had to take this woman to wife, and she walked out on him and committed constant adultery and unfaithfulness towards Hosea, but God said, go, buy, go and buy your wife back. The same woman who betrayed you, the same scandalous woman with a promiscuous past, the same woman who rejected you and your family, I want you to go and I want you to buy her back. And Hosea he does what God told him to do. It's a sad story. But God used this, this, this testimony, you could say, of Hosea and Gomer to try and teach the nation of Israel a lesson. Trying to teach them, trying to show him how it is that they were treating him. How he views his relationship with Israel. He views it as a marriage relationship. And it's funny because in the old, this is an Old Testament picture of how God used a marriage relationship to illustrate what his relationship with Israel looked like. And even the New Testament, right? We have a picture of how Christ views the church, that the church is the bride of Christ. But it was a very scandalous love story, you could say. And and Hosea goes on in the book to prophesy and preach against the nation of Israel, saying, turn back to God. God is calling unto you. This is, you were unfaithful. You were an adulterer against the Lord God Almighty, the one who provided for you, the one who loved you, the one who protects you. And yet, here he is chasing after you once again. God used this testimonial, this this, this Hosea's life, a hard life, you could say as well, to, to try and reach his people. It was, you could say, it was scandalous. God loved a scandalous people. And I just imagine if this movie was, if, if this story was made into a movie nowadays, uh, which they've made probably very scandalous love stories, um, it, it'd, be, it'd be a pretty scandalous movie. It's just a very scandalous, very sad, heavy story. 
It was a story of a man who wholeheartedly loved a scandalous woman. Um, and it was, like I said, God was showing, uh, God, God was using it as a picture to show how much he loved Israel, a scandalous nation. And it shocks us to think that God would tell Hosea to marry a scandalous woman like Gomer. But that's the point of the story. And we see later on, when Jesus Christ came to earth, he came to love a scandalous people. He, scan- he, he loved um, a scandalous people, you could say, that they were unclean. He, when, when, the, when Jesus came to earth and he would fellowship and even touch and heal the lepers, that's scandalous. When Jesus Christ, um, well, when the religious leaders saw that Jesus Christ would love a scandalous people and he, he'd sit down and, and, and have a scandalous meal uh, with, with known sinners and tax collectors, that's scandalous. And even in Luke chapter 7, we find that uh, Jesus uh, scandalized, I guess he came to love us, a scandalized woman with, with Simon the Pharisee in his own home as a sinful woman came to the feet of Jesus and broke uh, the, the oil that she had been saving up for and, and washed his feet with it. And Simon Peter saying, do you not know who this woman is? Do you not know what this woman has done? Jesus knew very well who this woman was, and yet he chose to love a scandalous woman. And not in any inappropriate way, just, 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 just to love her. <clears throat> and even his, his own disciples witnessed Jesus loving a scandalous and another, another person in, in Samaria. As he, as he met with the woman at the well, not only was he meeting with a woman that was scandalous in and of itself, she was a Samaritan woman, scandalous. Not only was she a, a woman, a Samaritan woman, but she was a woman that was five times divorced, scandalous. And she wasn't only five times divorced, but Jesus Christ was showing love to a woman that the man she was living with wasn't even her husband. We see a picture in the Old Testament and the New Testament of Jesus coming, of God loving a scandalous people. Scandalous stories. But if you're connecting the dots already, I'm here to tell you about the most scandalous story of all. I'm going to read it for you. The most scandalous love story at all happened April 19th, 2019. And that's when I called upon the name of Jesus Christ to save me. That's the most scandalous story of all. The most scandalous story of all, the most scandalous love story of all, is that God chose to love me. And that God chose to love you. God chose to love me even though, even of my, even though, disregarding my promiscuous past, you could say, my scandalous past. And God chose to love me knowing I was going to be unfaithful to him. And many times, my life has been filled with spiritual adultery. I've loved other things and other people more than I love God. I've rejected his love for me. Some days I've completely ignored him, and other days I'm even, I've even accused God of not loving me. He has found me time and time again being unfaithful to him. And it must break God's loving heart. And the astonishing thing is that he still chooses to love me. And just like he sent Hosea to go and buy his own wife back, his own scandalous wife back, God chooses time and time again to pursue me and to search for me and to welcome me back with open arms. And it's easy to judge somebody who's been unfaithful. It's easy to judge a woman like Gomer or anybody like Gomer. It's easy to judge the nation of Israel. But it's even easier to see 
how much we are like Gomer and like the nation of Israel. And even, even with all that, God said, I'm going to save you. And you know what? I know you're going to be unfaithful to me. And I know I'm going to have to spend time and time again pursuing after you, but I'm still going to love you. And I won't turn my back on you. Even after all of our unfaithfulness, God is still pursuing and calling us back to him. And God's love is really like, like looking for a, for a ring at a jewelry store. You really won't grasp God's love until, until you realize something. And I, this, I love this illustration. When, whenever it was time for me to propose to my wife, I knew that uh, I had to find a ring, right? I didn't have much money, but, but I, I needed to find a nice diamond ring for my wife. I, I wanted to do the best that I could. And as I began going around town looking for uh, different jewelry shops, and, I, and I'd walk in and say, you know, they'd always try and sell you on something. They'd say, how can I help you? And I'd say, I'm looking for an engagement ring. And as, as I walk up to the counter, and they say, we have some right here. This might be what you're looking for. And I'm looking around and say, oh, I like that one. So they'll, they'll open the cabinet, and they'll, they'll bring the, the beautiful diamond ring out. Uh, looking at the price tag, looking at the ring, I knew instantly I couldn't afford it, but I just went along with it because I was too embarrassed to say, right? Um, and as, as, as uh, the, the clerk showed me this, this beautiful diamond ring, and you can see the beautiful lights shining on the diamond ring, it was a pretty diamond. It was beautiful. You know when I really began to see how beautiful that diamond ring was? You know when that diamond really began to shine with those lights? And you've seen it is when they take uh, like, a, like a very dark blue or a black pad and they put it underneath the ring and you see the contrast of that beautiful shiny ring with that dark background and it really makes it pop. That's what God's love is like. You really won't begin to grasp the love of God until you contrast that with your unfaithfulness and your sin. When you, when, you, when you put up the love of God and the love that he shows you every single day, the love that he shows me every day, it, it's beautiful. And we know God loves us. And we know it's a love that we say it, we know it, we read it in the Bible. But it's not until you put that love of God up and behind it, you put your disgusting, unfaithfulness, adulterous, sinful life that that love really begins to shine. That you really begin to grasp how beautiful the love that God has for you. And the whole point of this message is we're supposed to love God more. And realizing, realizing how unfaithful every single one of us is to God every day and realizing how unworthy we are of his love and his provision and realizing that he still goes out and chases and chooses to pursue you regardless of your unfaithfulness and your adultery to him. Regardless of all that, he still chooses to love you. And realizing all those things, man, you know what that should do? Is fuel a fire in you to love God more than you've ever loved him before. That's what that should fuel in you. Maybe looking back at 2023, some of you can say, I was unfaithful to God. I was just like Gomer. I was just like Israel. I was adulterous. In 2024, God is still pursuing you, and God is still wanting to embrace you in his loving arms once again. And that love that God has shown for you should fuel you to love God more this year. To love him more than you ever have before. Let that, it's just a simple challenge this morning. Just a truth that we see in a very bleak love story. A truth that God used to teach the children of Israel a lesson of how they were treating him. 
is a very, is a very important lesson that we need to realize. And that when we, when we take a grasp of that lesson, that truth, that, that testimony of, of Hosea and Gomer's life, it should fuel us to love God more because of the love he showed us. <clears throat> One last thing and we're going we're gonna to be closing. But we sang it this morning. Um, nah, I wasn't as ready as I thought. But we sang hymn 169 this morning. Come thou fount. And here's the last verse. O to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. That's the God that loves you. And many times, we just go wandering off to our previous lifestyles, don't we? Our previous sinful habits. But don't worry, God's still pursuing you. Love God more this year. And you know what to help fuel that love for Him? When you realize how much God loved you. And how much God still loves you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this day, Lord. And thank you for, just thank you for the love that you show that you show every single one of us, even in just sending your son to die on the cross for our sins and accepting us into your family, and yet failure after failure after failure, God, you choose to love us and to welcome us back with loving arms. And I pray you help us this year, God, Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple, to be a church that really loves you, but I know that it, it has to start in our personal lives. So I pray that you, uh, you speak to hearts, Lord, help people that maybe are dealing with certain things in their heart that they need to get rid of, God. I just pray that you, you prick their hearts and help them to come and, and, and deal with those things here at the altar with you, God. And just I pray you help every single one of us, Lord, to commit ourselves to loving you more and more each day. I just thank you, Lord, for this truth, and I just thank you for this day. Just do a work in the, in, during the altar calls you see fit. Let me pray, amen. And as uh, Jay's going to begin to sing, just is this going to be the year that you choose to love God? more than you ever have before. And if there's some things that are in the way of that, just come and get them right with the Lord.
and uh, do our announcements. We'd like to get those filled soon. It's a good opportunity to uh, help out here. Patch will be restarting this Wednesday at 7, just like everyone else. And uh, if you have any questions, see Stephen on that. Um, game night chili cook-off will be January 19th at 6 p.m. Bring some games and your best chili. And we'll have a business meeting on January 31st for all church members to go over uh, what we're looking at for this year. And then the couples retreat, February 16th through 17th. Also, prayer requests, we'll be redoing the sheets for that. So if there's anything on there that you stay or anything, email Brother Lalo about that. Jared, would you close us in prayer? Thank you.